Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. So let's do this. Part two. Hi, ladies. It's great to be back. Today we have Dr. Rebecca Heiss for part two. She's already done her own story or shared her own story of overcoming some of the significant adverse things that she's had happen in her life. So she's back for part two. Dr. Rebecca Heiss is dedicated to helping us overcome our evolutionary limitations, the ancient fears that hold us back, fears that we've often not even consciously aware we have. Her research has been designated transformative by the National Science Foundation, and it is waking up audiences all around the world. Dr. Heiss confronts these fears daily in her own work and applies her research to solve the practical problems of overcoming the unconscious behaviors that haunt modern life. She is the founder and CEO of the Self-Awareness 360 Leadership Review app called iQuity. It's I-C-U-E-I-T-Y, which helps every individual reach his or her full potential. She's also the author of the acclaimed new book, Instinct, Rewire Your Brain with Science-Backed Solutions to Increase Productivity and Achieve Success. She has been honored to speak internationally on her work, including multiple TEDx talks, and has found her calling in helping others recognize the power of unconscious biological limitations in their lives. She is a full-time speaker and facilitator of her Fearless Accelerator program, which leads high-achieving women through stress, fear of failure, and imposter syndrome to a place of confidence and authentic leadership. In March of 2022, Rebecca launched Year of Happy, an experience that delivers programming and physical subscription boxes with challenges and community to move otherwise successful people from a state of languishing and meh to finally finding happy. Rebecca lives in South Carolina with her husband and spoiled rotten dogs named Guinness and Murphy. Every day she tries to live her life motto, spread happy. And today we are really excited to have Dr. Rebecca Heiss with us as an expert in becoming fearless. She will be sharing with us some of the best strategies she has learned through her research on how to overcome the self-limiting beliefs we have around our fears. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Rebecca Heiss. Yay! Thanks for coming. Hey, welcome back. Meh. (laughs) Meh. Meh. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. Uh, Gosh, I'm just delighted. Yeah, I'm here to be your non-expert of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rebecca, last time you were with us, my goodness, you shared some really amazing things. And it's obvious to me that you put your research and practice in your own life and that you have been from a young age. So for our listeners, if you did not hear her 
first podcast with us, we encourage you to go find it and listen to it so you can know this woman's background a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of degrees that nobody has ever asked me to see because, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought, look, I need to be worthy. So I'm going to go out and collect degrees. That's what I did. Right. To, to prove to everybody that I am worthy and valuable in life. And, uh, and that's a mistake FYI, if you're listening and listen, I'm, I'm a huge fan of education. If that's what you want to do, by all means, go do it. But if you're doing it to prove it to somebody, eh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say it, it got me, got me to a space where I was able to kind of put some of my practices in, in stress physiology and understanding the crappy decisions and the crappy way that our brain processes the modern world and be able to actually help a little, help a few people with that. So including myself. It's awesome. So it's been a, it's been a journey. I heard you speak at a, I'm part of, I'm a Vistage member and you came and you spoke at our Vistage meeting, which is where I learned how dynamic you are and how smart you are and how, what you have, what you shared with us that day, I felt like, my goodness, if we all could have just a little piece of this, we would just be having a better guide to find our own happiness. Because at the end of the day, that's all we want is to be happy. And I think we're all in search of happiness and we just don't know sometimes what to do, how to get there. Yeah. And really it's right. I think what you taught me, what I took away that day was you are happy. Yeah. You, you have it within mm. you. I think that's it. You got to unbury all the shit that stops you from being happy. But, <laughs> but a lot of that is just, you know, brain patterning. So, you know, I start my talk by talking about how your brain is kind of lousy. No offense to any of your listeners, but your brain isn't built for the world we live in, right? It's built for survival. It's built for getting in those dangerous, sparse, scary environments that our ancestors lived in. It's not built to be happy. And that comes as a, as a surprise to a lot of people. They're like, well, aren't we meant to be happy? Well, I didn't say you're not meant to be happy. I'm saying your brain isn't built for it. Your brain is built to keep you alive. So its focus is on all of the negative. It's on all of the dangerous. It's on all of the scary. It's on oh my gosh, did I just get rejected? Oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. How am I going to look in front of these people? It's why every time I speak to this day, by the way, every time I speak, I could speak to you know 10,000 people. I could be looking out in the, in the audience and I'd find the one person, the one who is scowling, the one who is on their phone, the one who looks like they're really not enjoying my talk. And my focus goes right there. Yeah, because our brain is built to seek the negative, to see it and to lock onto it. And that's what keeps us unhappy. So when we recognize that, that's the first step in what I'd call an active recovery, right? If you say, oh, interesting that that's what my brain is doing. Oh, let me change that. Right. Let me let me change that, because it's no fun to walk around feeling like afraid of other people because they're going to reject you or that you're going to fail. No, it isn't fun walking around that way, but it's really work. It takes work to get yourself out of that because you can, your brain can keep going on that path and you just, you have to stop, you got to pause and then you have to consciously make it, make a change. Yeah. It's spot on. Okay. So a couple things, one, that itty bitty shitty committee that you talk about. Yes. I'm, I'm stealing that. It's so much better than my acronym. <laughs> I, my, my acronym is so lame now. Um, I call them ants. I love that. But they are itty bitty and shitty, right? Ants are mm -hmm. automatic negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. And those automatic negative thoughts, our brains process millions of thoughts a day, millions. 70% of our thoughts are those little itty bitty shitty things, mm. automatic negative thoughts. So ants are 70%. Now, the way your brain is working, 
the neurons that fire together, wire together. You've probably heard that before. What that means is the more you're firing those neurons, the faster that pathway becomes, that neural pathway becomes. So you're more likely to repeat that behavior. You're you're kind of creating a habit of seeing the negative, of hearing the negative, of talking negatively to yourself. So those things like, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough for this. I'm a failure. Well, 70% of your thoughts are that on a daily basis. Wow. And you're just repeating that to yourself. Wow. That's that's ugly. (laughs) And a lot of us don't. And we don't think we're responsible for our thoughts. A lot of us don't think we can change that. Like, what am I supposed to do? Or it's just the way I am. Or like, you know, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is exactly the way you are until you decide that you're not, right? This is the brilliant thing about the brain. The brain is live wired. So you're different literally right now than you were 30 seconds ago before you heard me say that sentence. That's awesome. You have the power to control this little thing between your ears. That's incredible. What great power. So one of the one of the really simple fixes that I ask people to do is when they hear an ant, counter it with a pet. The pets are just practiced enlightened thoughts. Oh. Right? Ooh. It's like Ooh. a cute little pet. Think of like a warm, <laughs> fuzzy thing, right? Now, pets, as you mentioned, Kara, pets take work. They take effort. Just like in real life. You can't just like leave your dog. They'll just die, right? They take a lot of effort. So it does take work. I'm a huge fan of, of asking people to do their ABCs just to catch themselves. Cause most people don't even recognize how lousy they're talking to themselves on a regular basis. Right. So I'll ask people to, to pause throughout the day. I'll even set alarms. I've got my little alarm clock to go off five times throughout the day. And when it does, I do my ABCs real quick. So a ask, is there a tiger? <laughs> I hope you're laughing at that. Cause that, that was, <laughs> But I'm serious about it. Like, is there a tiger charging me right now? Um, Is there a life and death situation that I'm in? Because 99.9999999999% of the time, you're not in a life and death situation. Your brain is just telling you that you are, right? You're in a stressed out state. So you're telling yourself shitty things because those shitty things were what kept you safe 200,000 years ago. That's the only, the only reason we have these automatic negative thoughts is for survival. Like, Actually, when we look at them and you look at ants, they're actually kind of cute. They're sweet. <laughs> they're there they're really for your protection. And so we're like, okay, thank you, aunt. I, I think my brain sometimes like, okay, thank you. I know you're trying to protect me. There's not an actual tiger charging me right now. So now I can move on to the B, right? I asked if there was a tiger. It's not. So I move on to my B, which is just take a breath, right? Just <sighs> one slow, conscious breath. And look, I know we've been told to do that since we were like five years old, right? Like just take a breath. The last (laughs) thing you want to do when you're stressed out and you're angry is to take a breath. But what you're doing is you're actually lighting up this frontal lobe because when you're breathing subconsciously all day long, which you do, thank God, because if you had to breathe consciously all day, all you'd ever do is like, (laughs) right? That's all you do. So when you do pause and you take that conscious breath, that slow conscious breath, you're actually lighting up the frontal lobe. That's where we're making those conscious cognitive decisions from, where we're recognizing the patterns of behavior that we're having. And now we can tell a different story, right? So the C is one of two things. It's either get curious, curious, ask a question, any question. Literally, I don't care what question it is. Uh, What time am I listening? What time is it right now? That's a question. Um, Ooh, I wonder what color that is behind you. Is that a yellow or is it beige? Is it yellow? It's yellow. I like yellow. Curious. Any question, why am I asking you to be curious? Ask any question. 
Well, because when the brain is curious, it cannot be fearful. Really? Because yeah, think about this. Evolutionarily, if you had a tiger charging you, you would never, zero times, zero times out of a thousand, did you go, oh, wonder how fast that tiger's coming Like Zero times out of a thousand. If you did, you died, right? So like the brain doesn't process fear and curiosity at the same time. So if we can just get curious for a second, yeah out of fear, pops you out of fear. The other C can be a counterfact. Now I like counterfacts. Counterfacts are facts or stories about something that hasn't actually happened yet. So one of my favorite uh, examples of this, and I, I alluded to this in the last the last podcast, but um, I have a colleague who, who tells the story of like walking into a bank. You walk into a bank, you have like a regular bank errand you have to do. And only on this day, on this particular bank, it, it's getting robbed. Gosh, can't believe that. You're one of 50 people in there and you're the only person that gets shot in the arm. So is this a good event, a lucky event, or is this a bad event, a very unlucky event? What do you think? I think it could be either. It could have gone much worse. I know, but it could have gone much worse. You guys are so good at this. Over 70% of your listeners will say that was a really unlucky event because we've created a story. We've already created a story. And the story is, I could have gone to any bank on any given day. Uh, Anybody else could have gotten shot here, right? And I'm the only one that this is happening to. That's the story. Now, we don't know those facts are true, but that's one story. The other story, which you guys went to really quickly, is uh, I was the only one that shot. Great. This kid next to me didn't get shot. I only got shot in the arm. Oh, I could have died. This could have been way worse. So when I say create a counterfact, if you're under stress and you're you're hearing this itty bitty shitty committee or these ants running through your brain, what's the way worse situation? Oh, oh, everybody thinks I'm a failure. Yeah, but I'm not. <laughs> right? Like, okay, everybody, everybody's rejecting me. So I'm rejecting them. Or whatever story it is that you need to create to say, or maybe they're not rejecting me. Maybe they're just not as cool as I am and they're insecure. Right? You create a counterfact because your brain's doing that automatically. So we might as well create a counterfact that's supporting a better story. I love that. Rebecca, what do you tell people though that are, nobody else is telling them that they're being rejected except our aunts. Like, uh, like I am saying I am a failure. I am saying I am bad. You know, like you're in a shame spiral or like you shared with us the story about being sexually assaulted. And even for a moment, because you froze, you for a second, knowing better, started to say, was I, you know, was this, did I have some contribution here? Like what, yeah. what do you tell people for those kinds of things when they're just in that, you know, something terrible has happened in viral. Oof, I love yeah, that. Thank, what do you, what'd you call it? Shame spiral. The shame spiral. Oh yeah. That's what I said. I was like, I thought you had something else. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Shame yeah. spiral. I mean, two things. One, nobody will accept you until you do mm-hmm. truly. Truly, fully accept you until you truly, fully accept yourself, right? There's just no way around that. I, the other thing I'll say is, is tell yourself something positive, go to those pets, those positive enlightened thoughts, those practice enlightened thoughts, because even if you do not believe yourself in the moment, it doesn't matter because your brain is dumb. All right. (laughs) Bear with me. There's actual science here, right? Your brain believes the story. You tell it. So we, I can, we'll dive into maybe some of the placebo effects of your, on your brain. If you want, if you want me to go there, 
But like, if you tell your brain a story, whether or not you consciously believe it, your brain buys it a little bit. It actually buys in a little bit. And you don't even have to believe the story in order to begin acting from within it. So you can lie to yourself. That's the whole thing with positive affirmations. But there's a trick to it. You want to lie to yourself as if you were coaching yourself. So uh, most people will do positive affirmations like I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? That's the classic story. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you remember the 90s SNL character, the one yeah. thing he got wrong there is he said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. Uh-uh-uh, Stuart. If you want to do these positive affirmations and, and help yourself through that shame spiral, you're going to say, Rebecca, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people like you. In other words, talk to yourself in the third person. I know this sounds ridiculous, but if you want a sports star to compare yourself to, look no further than LeBron James. He coaches himself in the third person. LeBron James always talks about LeBron James as if LeBron James wasn't sitting right there. That's right. The reason for this is he has great coaching. He's, he knows that to get emotional separation so that your brain believes the story you're telling it, it just needs to hear it as if it's coming from somebody else. That's amazing. And so it's so silly. Like I said, your brain is really dumb. So use that to your advantage. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's interesting. I, I love that the third person because of the way you talk to the third person, because we, we've, you know, we've done podcasts with some women and we all know other women who cannot look at themselves in the mirror and give themselves a compliment. And so it's, and we've said to them, well, you know, why don't you picture your younger self, like little Kara? And so if I picture me as a child, it's much easier for me to say nice things. You're, I don't want to berate the child, but if I'm just talking to me, I'm like, oh, Kara, how could you do this? You know, you did you, 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 or I should say, I, 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 I did this. I, 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 I. Yeah, there you go. And then, you know, right. So that was my point. If you change it to talking about you in the third person, it's almost like it's, it's an, it's an out of body thing. It's, you know, it's taking that little kid and putting it her in front of you or. That's exactly um, it. You're creating that emotional distance that actually allows your brain to believe the story you're telling. And, uh, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of writing to yourself on the wall, like on a mirror, like put a little heart around where you're going to look and say, you are beautiful. And it's cheesy as hell. Listen, I get it. If, if your listeners are anything like me, you're like, oh my gosh, rolling your eyes going, this is a woo-woo segment. <laughs> y'all, I'm telling you, there's so much science to support this, right? When we look at positive affirmations, especially those that are given in the third person, what you're seeing is increased productivity, increased longevity, increase in health, increase in re- like uh, uh, in relationships, like Increase in relationships, so that doesn't make any sense. Happier relationships, that's, that's the one I'm looking for. Um, like it's, it's incredible, the difference that you see. And, you know, when you were saying how we, we can lie to ourselves and we can have ourselves believe things about ourselves, I feel like we've all met people like that, that are, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they, have, they have like really sold themselves to be something amazing. And they, they are amazing, but maybe, yeah. maybe they're not, exactly what they think they are in a, in a way, but they are because right. they have, and, and I love those. I love those kinds of people when I meet them, but at first you're like, what's up? <laughs> it, it does. It does. It gets trippy, right? Because you're like, right. wait, if I don't believe the story that I'm telling, but I'm telling it and my brain believes it, who am I? What am I? What is this? 
right? It does get kind of like, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Trippy, I guess is the best word, right? But it's the power of placebos, which is incredible, like incredible. If you don't think your brain is powerful and the story that you're telling is powerful, check again, folks, because, all right, I, I got to do it. Can I tell a story? Yeah, yes. tell stories. We love stories. So one of my favorite pieces of research uh, took women, uh, housekeepers, and split them into two different conditions, right? In one condition, the housekeepers were told nothing. In the other condition, they were simply told, hey, do you know that you, when you're cleaning, you're actually meeting the Surgeon General's requirement for exercise? That was the only difference between the two groups. So they all wore these nifty-nifty like wristwatches, right? Which tracked exertion level, heart rate, all of that is factored out of the, out of the analysis. And yet after four weeks time, massive difference. The group that was simply told that they were meeting the Surgeon General's requirement for exercise had lower weight, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, lower waist to hip ratio, and a lower body mass index. Wow. Y'all. Wow. I mean, that is the story that you are telling yourself. Wow. I mean, I read that study and, you know, Patty knows this. I'm like, you are so smart. You are (laughs) You are all the things, right? Because I'm also, I'm a skeptic though too, right? I dig into this research and I'm like, nah, they, they must've missed something. Nope. This is backed by even more science. All right. There's one more I'll tell because this one is, is just remarkable to me too. So in Japan, they took researchers and this is, this is what you can pay graduate students to do for five bucks. They took these kids that were highly allergic to essentially poison ivy, right? And they rubbed their arm with a maple leaf, but they told them that it was poison ivy. 80% of them broke out as if they'd been rubbed. Oh my God. What? Wait, it gets better. Then they brought in another group who, again, highly allergic to poison ivy, and they rubbed their arm with poison ivy, but they told them it was a harmless maple leaf. Guess what? 80% of them did not break out. Wow. Boom! How cool is that? That's wow. Crazy cool. I love this stuff, right? That is the power of your brain and the story that you choose to believe. So, you know, when I read stuff, this, I'm like, oh man, I got to pay attention to the stories that I'm telling myself because man, if I'm constantly sitting there going, oh, you're a loser. You don't belong. You're fat. You're ugly. And everybody hates you. Ah, uh, yikes. That's not a story I want to tell. Yeah. Right. That's Yikes, that could be affecting me in all kinds of ways that yeah, to shift those those ants, those itty bitty shitty commenters, committees. You know, I I never thought about, you know, people talk about fake it to your make it and stuff. And but I never thought about what, you know, you're telling yourself, even if it isn't true now, but you want it to be true as a placebo. Yeah. That's really interesting, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add, I can't, I can't resist this. The fake it till you make it. Don't fake it. Mm. Don't fake it. Just be it. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's you right. Can't, you can't fake it. If you know you're faking it, then don't fake it. Just, just go be it. And by the way, you never have to fake anything. Just be authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Just be yeah. It. You know, you said something in our last podcast also that we're all, you, you didn't say it exactly like this, but we're writing our own story. We get to write the story of our life. And when you said that at home to me, I was separated from my husband a while ago. And a friend of mine said, Patty, I know that whatever happens, it's going to be okay. 
you're, you're able to write your own story. And when he said that to me, it made such a huge impact on me. Like, really, I'm in charge of this. I get to write this. Yeah, I'm in charge of this. I get to write this. I own it. And it's so empowering when you can truly believe that you are in control of your destiny just by based on your thoughts. For me, confession, it's super hard. Like ants are all over my head. I I grew up a really depressed little girl, had lots of problems around depression. And so I really fight those ants or that itty bitty shitty committee. But the power to know I get to change it and I get to write my own story and it comes true. Mm. You have enough of those things happen, like you said, and you're just teaching your brain a habit. You're teaching it a neural pathway. But it is, like Kara said, a lot of freaking work to get there. (laughs) So what? where do you tell people to start, Rebecca? Where do you tell them to start with, with, you know, the work that they need to do when they're falling off the wagon and their, their ants are eating them all up? (laughs) How do they get that little puppy dog to come over and wipe them off? Patty. Okay. So first of all, thank you for sharing what you just shared, because I think there's so many people that are, are in those same spaces. And thank you for for having this podcast to, to share the stories of, of how we can change. I want to address something that you said there before I move on to how we can stop the ants from eating us alive, right? A lot of people get stuck in, in learned helplessness. So again, I got to go back to the science here. This is one of my, another one of my favorite studies. They brought uh, two different conditions, right? One group <clears throat> they brought into a room and they had a whole bun- bunch of buttons and they started blaring an alarm. And the people had to like figure out the, the code, the, the number of buttons and the order in which to push them in order to turn off the alarm. So in the first group, they did it and finally they figured it out and the alarm shut off. In the second group, no matter how many times they got the right combination, the alarm just kept going. Okay. So that's the setup. The first group then goes into the second puzzle. Now, this is the group that's been successful before. They go in and all you have to do is move your hand from this button to that button. You don't even have to press it. You just have to move your hand. And so they do and quickly the alarm shuts off. The second group, the one that learned that no matter what they did before it didn't matter, never moved their hand. They sat there and let the alarm blare for five minutes, right? Our brain is really quick to pick up and say, okay, well, nothing, nothing I do will ever matter because this one time it didn't. And since the one time it didn't, I guess forever and ever in the future, no matter what I ever do, nothing will change. And we lock onto that story. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like there are situations and listen, there are situations that are shit. And I am so sorry for people that have experienced it and gone through it and you don't get to control it all the time. And that sucks, but it doesn't mean you don't have control now. That's right. Right. And it doesn't mean you can't do something about it. So where do we begin to do something about it? Really, really small, really, really small. So where people fail the most in forming new habits is they set a goal and they're like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this week. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. You're going to step on the scale and you're going to have lost one pound and you're going to feel like a failure. And what that does is it sets off this physiology in our brain that says, oh, you failed. No, no, no. You lost the pound. That's great. That's like t- moving towards your goal. But because your goal was up here, your brain and your body say, oh, you suck. You failed. End of discussion. So the smaller increments that you can set, I'm going to lose 0.01 pound a day. And you step on the scale and you lost 0.01 pound today. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And your physiology supports it. What do I mean by that is your dopamine gets a huge, you get a big hit of dopamine, which is the addiction hormone. It's not just the happy hormone, it's an addiction hormone. 
it makes you want to do more of that, right? It's like, oh yeah, give me that. Your cortisol, your stress hormones go down. And so you get this little boost and you're like, oh yeah, that felt great. I'm going to keep doing this. And you're more likely to do it tomorrow. It's called the winner's effect. So when you set the goal small enough, I'm going to start meditating today. I'm going to do one breath and you do it. You're more likely to do it again tomorrow, the next day and the next day you can begin to add on. So start really small because the opposite of that flywheel is also true, right? When we get into that loser effect and we believe, ah, learned helplessness, I can't do it. I've never, never accomplished anything. Every time I try, I just fail. Well, your brain gets set in those, in those pathways as well. Awesome. So start small, make your goals like really, really realistic and reasonably small, and then celebrate acknowledge your success. Mm. Yes. So important. Why didn't I say that? Thank you, Patty. (laughs) You you did say it. I just recapped it. Well, I I think I, that's what I got from it to to like tell your brain, this is awesome. We did it. Yep. Whatever it is. Right. Physically saying it out loud, give yourself a little fist pump. It's, it's going to seem ridiculous, but great because happiness is contagious. And when you do those things, when you, when you Shoot, if you have to and you can't even smile, bite a pen, right? It, <laughs> I'm kind of laughing because I just bit a pen on video. But it forces it forces your mouth even to create a smile, even if you're angry. That's and great. that smile releases hormones that say I'm happy <laughs> and it tricks your brain into saying, woohoo, this is great. So if you're running on that treadmill and you freaking hate it, bite a pen and you're like, sure, this is great. <laughs> You can trick your brain in whatever way you need to, to stay in that, in that space. That's great. That's awesome. Rebecca, that's really great. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. It's retraining your brain. Yeah. Is there a book you recommend? I mean, I know that you have your book and your course fearless and, and, uh, tell us about that. Like, I feel like you are the perfect person to learn this from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. I do have a book. I, and I kind of recommend it. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, just, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be honest with it. It's all right. It's a, it's a good book. It's a solid book. You can learn from the book. There are a lot of colleagues' books that I'd recommend as well. One one of the books that I would highly recommend is Sean Anchor uh, has a book called The Happiness Advantage, and it just takes the science of happiness of, of a lot of the kind of things that people blow off as being Pollyannish, and they're like, oh, well, it's rose-colored glasses. No, no, it's rose-tinted glasses. There's a big difference, right? Rose-tinted glasses. You're still seeing the world, but you're seeing the positive aspects of it. He, he does a great, great job of, of positive psychology and, and its use in everyday uh, life. I'd also recommend James Clear's Atomic Habits. Oh, that's great. Big fan of James. Uh, and and his, his story is remarkable. Uh, if you want to talk about bravery in the face of just cataclysmic... Uh, events, really powerful story. And, uh, and his advice is very practical about how to habit stack and and build new habits at an atomic level, as you might've guessed. So those are the two that come to mind immediately. And then, you know, if you want to check out my book, that's cool too. And and the name of your book. Oh yeah. My my book is called instinct. Um, so instinct is all about the, the seven instincts that our brain has, uh, that don't necessarily serve us very well in the modern world and how we can begin to rewire them for, uh, for more productivity and, and happiness. So, yeah. Awesome. And you know, um, your, your, all your talk around stress and, and the, and the stress response. I remember seeing Kelly McGonigal. She is a stress researcher also. And her research was all about how our perception of stress 
is what makes it bad or good. And all the research behind that were, you know, people in countries where wars are going on, but they have what you talked about in our previous podcast, community, like, and, and, you know, belonging and love and compassion. So it's, it's like what you're saying, it's what we believe. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the stress mindset research is really fascinating. So if you look at stress kind of on a normal curve, right? You think about stress as a normal curve. You actually need stress. Stress is a good thing. If you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't like have any stress in your life, I call that a dead person's goal, right? Like you, you're a dead person. That's you have no stress. You have no life. Mm-hmm. All right. So you need a little bit of stress. That little bit of stress actually gets you to the place of optimal performance. Like if you have a deadline, you know you can meet it, you're gonna rise to that challenge. And when we treat stress like our friend, the thing that is going to help us rise to that challenge, because we can look back and we can say, ah, I remember feeling this before. And I I met that. I did it. I I can do this. When we treat stress like our friend, it actually helps us. But the same person could be under the same amount of stress, have the same deadline and go, oh, this is a disaster. I'm never going to make it because we're telling ourselves a different story. Like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Ah." What that does is it takes that nice, optimal, normal curve and you go sliding down the other side of it Mm. to this place of lower productivity, overload, exhaustion. I think actually that's where a lot of people have ended up in uh, during these COVID times is is we're just exhausted Mm -hmm. and we're we're overloaded. Uh, So how do we how do we look at, you know, the times that we're living in and say, yeah, this is tough. This is really tough. And And how can we make good? Yeah. Yes. And. Oh, this is, this is a challenge. Cool. All right. We've, we've done, we've dealt with challenges before. How do we make something good of this? How can we create, you know, a space where the stress becomes our friend? And that is incredibly powerful, right? When you tell that different story. I love that. Yeah. What's your counterfact? Hey. 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 Done. Kara, for the win. (laughs) Um, A question about your book instinct do you offer some um research related stories that you shared with us here a ton of them okay great that kind of stuff trying to kind of helps seal it for me in the learning process hearing a story so that's why i asked you know what you're not alone that is uh that is a built-in feature of our brains our brains remember stories that you can, yeah. I'll throw facts and figures at you all day long. Nobody will remember a damn thing that I say. Yeah. But my thing that's interesting, I'm like, oh yeah, but you'll forget it instantly. <laughs> right? Our brain remembers stories. Uh, in fact, for your listeners, if, if you want the book, by all means, get it. Thank you. But uh, I also tell a lot of stories uh, as a part of a, a course. I'm happy to give it to your listeners for free. I have a, a video kind of, not transcript, what would I call it? A video challenge, a video associated thing that where I talk and, and describe some stories about the book uh, that, that align with the chapter. So if you want that uh, and you're listening to this podcast, it is yours for free. Just reach out and holler at me and say, hey, I want the, I want the video guide to instinct. Ooh, look at that. You know, Karen and I are both getting the book. Then we're going to get the video course as well to go along with it. Yes, the video guide. Yeah, get the get the video guide. That's the guide is what I was looking for. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's it's chapter summaries. It's me kind of summarizing and give you a little more background on the on what I was thinking and writing it. And that's yeah. great that's for great. the any that don't want to plug through a book. When was the book released? Last year. Great okay. timing. Um, almost a year. 
It's been oh, awesome. Congratulations. Yes. I know. Very exciting. I'm looking Thanks. forward to reading that. You know, it yes. was a stress mindset timing of, oh, cool. We're going to release my first book um, in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that yeah. good, though? Because people need yeah. something to do. <laughs> That's, thank you. That's exactly, exactly. the counter fact was, no, you know what? People are reading a lot of books now because they're at mm-hmm. home. They have more time. You know, creating an adventure rather than an, an ordeal. It's a, it's a huge mind shift. Yeah, I think that was a perfect time to release that book. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Do you have any other tips or tricks or things that we can't live without in order for us to get over our itty bitty shitty committee or stop the ants from eating us alive and definitely, uh, you know, try to live our best life being happy? I mean, it sounds so simple. It just can't be that simple. Right. It does. I know it, that's, you know what, that's, that's it. it. It is that simple. I think this is the big thing that people struggle with is they're like, well, it can't be that simple. So they go out and seek something else. I'm like, no, no, no. You, you just have to do it. Yeah. Right. It sounds simple and it's free. So people don't value it. So I guess my, my takeaway for people would be, no, no, no. It is that simple. You just have to commit to it. And if that means that you have to pay somebody a dollar a day to feel better about it, then do that, right? Just, just do that. But it's, it's not brain science, folks. It's <laughs> right. It's not, it is, but it's not, it's real simple. Treat your brain with respect and, and know that you are in control of that story. Just make a story that you want to read. And practice, practice, practice. Yes. It's how we get to Carnegie Hall. Oh, that's a fun one. All right, Kara, thank you. You sparked something for me. I got to share. Sure, you're welcome. So practice, practice, practice. And if you can't practice, then visualize it. Mm. Visualizing your brain is, once again, dumb. No offense. Love you all. Your brain is brilliant. Tell that, tell that story if you need to. <laughs> I like that my brain is dumb because then it's always learning. Visualization is incredibly powerful. And what we've noted, all right, another science study. So they had people go in and practice this five-fingered exercise for two hours a day for two weeks. How boring does that sound, right? So they played this piano two hours a day. Then they had a second group who was supposed to just visualize, hands in their lap, visualize that finger-playing exercise. And then they scanned the brains of both these, these groups. They all grew the same motor neuron pathways in their head. So the the area of the brain that's responsible for these motor pathways expanded significantly and it did so in both groups. That's awesome. So both the group that was actually playing and the group that was just visualizing it. They've done similar studies with like weight bearing. So if you're not a weightlifter, but you want to get stronger, visualize yourself lifting weights because it turns out that works. Wow. So it actually activates the same. I know, right? You're going to put Patty out of business. (laughs) It only works on the pinky fingers though. So if you want good biceps, you got to go to Patty and you got to do it right. You need to learn from an expert how to do it right. Because if you're lifting wrong and you're visualizing it wrong, it's going to be wrong, folks. (laughs) You heard it here first. Oh my God, that's, that's incredible. And we learned that like when someone's had a stroke and they can't move one side of their body, yep. we, we learn that we'll literally do mirror therapy with that. Yep. It's we'll put a mirror on the, you know, unaffected side and put the affected side behind it so they can see the moving limb. And then all of a sudden that 
limb that wasn't able to move over time, right? Or if you work bilaterally, right? The brain is is amazingly dumb, but it is amazingly smart (laughs) as well. It is amazingly smart. And you know, Rebecca, I want to come back to what you said in the very beginning. You said, nobody is going to fully accept you until you fully accept yourself. Mm. And I think that everything you just said to us was us learning how to get in our head, get in our belief system and fully accept and love ourselves and know we're worthy and know that we are worthy of love. We're worthy of affection. We're worthy of respect. We're worthy of all of the things that we want in life. And we're definitely worthy of having happiness. Yes. Oh, oh, I couldn't say it better. Stop. Stop pursuing it. It just is, right? Stop chasing it. That's everything you said is so, so profound and so true. I think, you know, we get caught on this treadmill of pursuing happiness because when I, when I do this, when I reach my goal weight, when I hit, when I get this next degree, then I'll be, man, no, you won't. You're chasing. Mm -hmm, You got to hit pause and recognize that treadmill is under your control. And when you stop it, all the compliments, all the things that you're chasing land and they don't go off the backside because you're still chasing. Right. You can just exist in that space of happy. And we're always looking for the magic pill, right? Yeah. The thing, the thing like, oh, it's got to be this diet or it's got to be this <laughs> right. book or this course, or I didn't, we're always searching for that, but really we don't need to be in search of it. And I love your message about that. I love how you shared that with us today. Oh. Thank you so much for that gift. Thank you. This has been such a gift to be able to talk with you all. I, I, you can see it in my face. I'm smiling. Uh, Hey, that's, that's one final takeaway for me. Happiness is contagious, right? Our emotions are contagious. Those mirror neurons work to our advantage. So if you're around somebody who's happy, you're increasing your own happiness by 15%, folks. So surround yourself with good people like Kara and Patty. You're going to increase your happiness. It's great. That is awesome. And thank you for that. That's very sweet. Can you quickly tell us about the year of happy that you just started? I totally will. Oh. <laughs> Year of happy is, um, is my happy space. This is this is the I'm so proud of this. It is 52 weeks of short, digestible videos of me saying, "Hey, here's a little tip." Right, just giving little tips every single week of the year. I I end up in your inbox and I go, "Hey, here's a five minute video of things to overcome imposter syndrome, fear of failure, rejection, stress, anxiety, all those little itty bitty shitty things that come up." And here's some positive psychology to boot. Woo wait, there's more. <laughs> we know that just because I watch a video, I'm not going to do it. So we need to get this offline and into the real world. So how do we do that? We ship you a little box of goodies every month. In that box of goodies are scientifically shown things like lavender that increases happiness, green plants, journals, prompt cards, and challenges. Every month there is a community challenge. So you get the challenge. And then the question is, do you rise to the challenge? Do you actually go all in? Because now we have to hold you accountable here, Mm. right? It's one thing to watch a video. It's another thing to actually put those things into practice. So every month there's a challenge and every month you get to meet with me and the rest of the community in the year of happy to see, did you do it? So it's, uh, it's an entire year of, uh, and of course, we measure your happiness along the year. So we measure it at the start. We measure it at the middle. We measure it at the end. We see how you're progressing in your happiness as you move through the program. So we're, we're pretty excited about it. That is really exciting. Yeah, that's so cool. By the way, I signed up today for the year of happy email. Yay! 
Yeah. Oh my God, you're on the server. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're going to get all kinds of goodies and see what you're missing out on. I am looking forward to this. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> and, you know, and for our listeners who don't get to see your personality and only get to hear your personality. Be grateful. Re- Rebecca. <laughs> no. Rebecca is just one of the most animated and you can tell the happiness comes through the video. It just, it comes right through the screen. You're, you, you definitely, you know, behave in the way that you desire to behave in. And it's really great to see that you're very consistent with that. So I'm sorry, listeners, you don't get to see all this amazing animation and smiling and just the, the passion you have for what you do, Rebecca. Great. Well, thank you. I'm I'm truly honored. I, I get to do what I love every single day. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky. That's awesome. And I think it comes through in your voice too. So if mm-hmm. they're not hearing all of this animation and happiness, <laughs> there's something wrong with their speaker. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where do people sign up for your year of happy? Well, we'll say it one more time. Yearofhappy.com. Right. Yep. <laughs> you can find us at yearofhappy.com. You can always reach out to me on any of the socials and yeah, I'm happy to chat with you about whatever. So don't, don't be a stranger. And your other website is Rebecca Heiss.com. Rebecca Heiss is H E I S S. And on all of social media, it's at Dr. D R Rebecca Heiss on all the social media platforms, all the socials. And you introduced the Acuity to the Vistage Group. Um, Can you, I love that. I love that. Will you just share with the listeners what that is also? Because I think if you can be vulnerable with yourself, it's a great opportunity. I need to get on that. I wrote it down as a goal. But what a great thing if you can be vulnerable with yourself, right? Tell us about it. Tell us. Yeah. So Acuity was actually born out of the group that, that Patty is a, is referring to. It is for leaders to help them see themselves as the world sees them. Now, if you are shaking your head going, well, I'm not a leader. Think again. You are. Uh, it's basically a way to, to become more self-aware. So what users do is they select traits that they want more feedback on. So say kindness or listening ability or whatever that trait may be for you. You rate yourself on a sliding scale, one to 10. How kind am I? How funny am I? Hilarious. I know. Thank you. I'm going to 10 out of 10 on that. Um, And then you send it to your friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, and they rate you anonymously over the course of a week. And you get to see at the end of the week, just how you think you show up in the world and how you actually show up in the world. And you start to see some of the differences there. So the story that I'll tell very quickly is when I first started uh, this, I was like, okay, I'm going to beta test myself. I'm funny, right? I'm like 10 out. I'm funny. I'm, I'm hilarious. I sent it to my family. Y'all, they gave me twos. <laughs> what? I know, right? That's what I said. I was like, they don't know me, obviously. <laughs> right? They just don't get me. But the whole lesson here is that you're not supposed to be a 10 out of 10 on everything, right? You're just not. My family values me for other traits. I come from a very funny family. They don't value me for my, for my humor, uh, right? But they value me for my empathy. No, I don't think I'm that empathetic. And what scares people about this is like, oh, I don't want to know that. That's terrifying. Well, listen, my family thinks I'm a two, whether I know it or not. Right? It's just information. Mm-hmm. So when we get this information and it's scary, right? Because people are like, oh, they're rejecting me. No, they're not. They're telling you what they value you for. 
And it's okay. You're not supposed to be a 10 out of 10 on everything. You're supposed to know what they value you for. And that's all right. It's just information, but it is scary, y'all. It is really, really scary. So, and I'm still freaking funny. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you, be honest now, when you're around your family, do you you hype up the funny? Because you know you what? I think- don't. I, I actually don't. I play it down. Now I hype up the funny in every other interaction because I'm like, I'm freaking funny. My every, Everybody needs to know I'm funny. Yeah, I agree. You're funny. Right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. And this is the great thing about, I think, you know, becoming more self-aware is it's not that you're not funny or that you're not a good listener. It's that it depends on the context. And the more you're self-aware of the context of like within my family, maybe use empathy more than humor because that's that's my gift with my family. With you guys, I'm trying to be empathetic. I'm working really hard to be empathetic. I think I'll just stick to funny. (laughs) (laughs) So knowing, and and again, it's really important. Don't be inauthentic. Don't try to be funny because you think that's what you should be in a situation. Show up as you are, but you can bring your different skill sets at different levels, right? To different situations. So yeah, so that's, that's acuity. It's terrifying. um, But I think you'll, you'll like it if you try it with the right mindset. Very cool. And, and how do people find that? Iquity is on the App Store. It's on both Apple and Google Play. So you can just download it straight to your iPhone or to your Android. It is I-C-U-E-I-T-Y. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cool. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you, ladies, so much for having me on and having the opportunity to, to talk with you. This has been a second time round. This has been so much fun. Yes. Rebecca, we really appreciate you taking the time you know, to spend two, two sessions with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. I can't think of a a better way to spend time. This has been a delight. Bye. That's, that's it. (laughs) We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman, you know, who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly Imperfect You, with love, Kara, and Patty. But I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say and let the words fall out. Honestly, I want to see you be brave. I just want to see you. I just want to see you. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, goodness. Thank yes, you. I hope that was what you guys awesome. wanted and needed, and hopefully it was good. I love the science about it. Here's the thing with me. I love the science behind it. I love when you describe it. But if I were to go try and find this research and read it, I'd be I'd be falling asleep in my chair. Thank you for doing that work. Yeah. Thank you for doing that for us. I hear you. That's that's literally, it's why I do what I do. Cause I'm like, there's such great, cool stuff that people need to know. Yes. Just- Especially sexual overperception. Sexual overperception. That is hilarious. Right, on that note, I'm going to stop recording. Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com. Yes. And as a scientist, I would be prepared to talk about like how you put a sensor around the girth of the penis. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need to talk about that.